Welcome to the Washdown Podcast, episode number 36. Today we are talking with Matt Lanio. He has been a firefighter medic for 10 years in a busy metro department. And he stops by and we talk today about, you know, some stuff that he's seen, some issues that he's dealt with, some injuries. And I think it's a really good episode. So... You guys sit back, relax, and enjoy episode number 36 of the Washdown Podcast. Story. Yeah, funny story. You know I'm a millennial, so uh-huh. I, t- I, I TikTok. Yeah, no, we, okay, we, we know. Go. So my funny Cheers. prank today was something I saw on TikTok. I had like five friends that I texted this morning, and I was just like, hey, what's your ETA? And they're all like, huh? And I'm like, hey, we're here waiting for you. And they start calling me, and they've been blowing my phone up ever since, and I just stopped replying to them. That just kind of seems like a dick move. It's funny because I know they're just We're, scrambling through their phones looking for the plans that we didn't make. I, I, was, I was waiting for the funny part. <laughs> I was, too. yeah. I, what just that makes you sound like TikTok? an asshole, James? Dude, you know, you know who somebody would do that? That's a Jeremy thing to do. Dad? Really? Why would that be a me thing to do? How old it's are it's you, Brian? Old enough. You're a millennial. Yeah, so. Curious what year you're born? Ninety. Oh yeah, we're the second greatest generation football, football game this week. <laughs> Forgot about that. Only in your own minds. I'm not gonna work it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Welcome to the Washdown Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get started. I guess since that was a great opening. Guess anybody's your new studio. You guys have already said <laughs> no, it. No, we were just messing with you. You're no. so sensitive all the time. No, it's cool. Captain Sensitive Sally. It's fine. See, estrogen is building up since he's not taking steroids. See, what this actually is, <laughs> this, is a, this is a safe place no. that Jerry he, built. Does he look like he takes steroids? <laughs> not anymore. That's, that's my point exactly. Have I ever looked like I took steroids? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when? Back when we first started playing softball. Walking in, could barely swing a bat. It's a lot like he is now, but he was bigger. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Fall Down. Every time I catch the ball. He's trying to make top ten. It, yeah, it is. He hears da-na-na, da-na-na. Every time the ball's hitting his direction. The problem is I'm shorter than everybody else. I have to try extra hard to make it in places everybody else. Oh, is that why the guy that hit the ground ball to you got an in-the-park home run because you were trying so hard? I don't think I remember that one. It was right before you ran into the fence, so you probably don't remember it. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely don't. Oh, Matt. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. We appreciate it. And like we've alluded to, our new studio, so you're the first guest. So congratulations. You get no gifts for it. Yeah, you're welcome. This is the best we could do for our, like... Say, there's a trash bag opening. joke here, right here, and I just don't want to say it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to make Jeremy even madder than he is now. Then stop messing with your microphone. What keeps falling down? Well, we tell me talking like this here a little bit. Hey, guys. Well, that's normal. I'm going to sit on the floor. Thanks, it's not to be on camera. Hey, at least Lanny, I wouldn't be the shortest person in the room, then. <laughs> I do have him by, like, an inch. <laughs> yeah. That's just sad. Story of my life. So, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been on the – where are you from? What made you want to be a firefighter? 
from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, born and raised. Uh, when I was about five or so, we had a uh, lightning strike at the house and had firefighters out. And I remember hiding around the corner watching them and just thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And yeah, that's... So nothing's changed in your career now then? You still just hide around the corner of house fires? I do. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to find that uh, the water cooler and stand in between the doors. <laughs> anyway, oh, <man>. so continue. <laughs> uh, been a firefighter for about 12 years combined. Did about two years uh, paid per call and been doing 10 years uh, full time. How does the whole paid per call thing work? Because I've I've seen that term a lot, but I'm not familiar with it. So the way that it was run where I worked was uh, basically it was, I think starting out it was like $10 per call. So if you were hanging out at the station and... A call came in and you responded to it then there's a piece of paper you'd write your number down on now everybody was assigned a three-digit number and you would write it down write down the amount of time you were gone what call it was and then you know put it into payroll uh, or you could do per uh, for training it, I, I can't remember what the allotted amount was but they had an amount of training that you couldn't go over and still get paid, but uh, <clears throat> when I first got my EMT in Fire 1 and 2 and was still finishing college, I spent pretty much all my downtime at the firehouse just hanging out, waiting on basically nothing to happen. <laughs> they ran like 400 <laughs> calls a year, so it was, yeah, I mean, doing the training was pretty much the only way to get any kind of pay, but it was good experience. Met met a lot of people from around the metro, and yeah, it was pretty good time. Cool. You got anything to say? Nope. <laughs> you were the peanut gallery earlier. Chime in. Oh, Didn't oh. you do volunteer work too? Mm-hmm. It wasn't paid though. Yeah, it was, it was just straight volunteer. Makes me better than him. I wasn't there for the money. That's right. <laughs> I, I don't work for free. I'm not a hobbyist. So, uh, yeah, uh, I initially went down to Springfield for college. Mm-hmm. I went to SMS, and about a semester in, I realized uh, it wasn't what I wanted, so I ended up going to Ozark Technical Community College, got in the fire science program down there, and they do a whole lot with the volunteers down in the Greene County area. So uh, that was a lot of good experience. Got to learn from quite a few of the chiefs down there and uh, get more of a rural feel of kind of how to do everything, which was way different. It it is. It's a lot different than, you know, what we're used to because you might only have eight people on scene and that's all you're getting. Yeah. And, no, and no water source. Right. Yeah. And well, drafting. So it was yeah. a lot of drafting, a lot yeah. of... You know, drafting is not that hard. Like, guys will make no. it seem like it's super difficult mm-hmm. and, <clears throat> no. you know, complicated. It's really not. No. <laughs> Especially if you have a water source nearby, like a pond or something like mm-hmm. that. It's super easy. 
even even bringing in in a tanker and putting up the port porta pool. Yeah, still not hard. Yep. Yeah, we did a lot of that. Yeah, it was. There's so what? A wide variety of people <coughs> in there. When did you make the switch over to become a medic, and what made you want to do that? Uh, so the merger is what caused me to become a medic. Okay. Uh, so I'd been kind of kicking around the idea. I was working as an EMT at Harris, and had a couple friends who had gone to medic school, and I'd been putting my application in everywhere. I mean. You name a fire department in the metro area, and I can almost guarantee you I put in an application for it. And I was making it to the last two or three people, and almost every time it was, a well, we like your credentials, but you're not a medic. We're looking for a medic. And it say from about age 21 to uh, 25 is when I got hired, I was just constantly putting in applications, and then it was a year before I got hired, I ended up going to medic school thinking that once the list I was on died, that would give me a way in and ended up uh, getting hired. I was the last class off my list, and uh, I had finished medic school almost exactly a month before the academy started. So Dang. I uh, came on as an EMT. Uh, Got to work one of the best spots in the city, I think, as far as seeing the wide variety of calls that we have uh, uh, as an EMT. And, yeah, got to learn quite a few districts and gets rusty as I get away from it. But <laughs> it was a real good experience. Well, it's not like you're at a slow station now. No, <laughs> we do all right. <laughs> Huge, <laughs> huge difference in medic work, though. And he got tricked yeah. into being a medic. Yeah, Idiot. yeah. I. Uh, <laughs> it, it's funny because when I went in for credentialing, uh, we're like, okay, well, when we're done with uh, this exit interview, you're going to an ambulance. And <laughs> I looked at my union rep and I said, I'm not going to a fucking ambulance full time. <laughs> and so they they fought for me and got me to stay on my pumper, and uh, it was real awkward as a year-and-a-half, two-year firefighter, them not being able to detail me because the city didn't pay for my medic. So every morning, the battalion chief would call, uh, do you want to go work on an ambulance? Uh, no, th- no, sir. No, thanks. <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, but, you know, kind of like we had talked about. So you seen that problem's been going on for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like 11 now. At least, yeah. but some you could also probably, in, in all seriousness, so some of the most best experience you've had has been on the ambulance. It has, absolutely has. I mean, uh, when I say I told the battalion chief no, like ninety percent of the time I said no. But if we were heavy, I took the details so that somebody else wasn't getting detailed out. I mean, it was a lot of times it was just uh, the ambulance in my station, so it wasn't bad. Still got to hang out with the guys, and we had a great group down there. And, yeah, uh, you get a wide variety of calls. You're doesn't matter what station you're at. You're going to be running the entire city. So, it, yeah, it's a good way to meet people throughout the city and not just in your district. Good good way to learn multiple districts and kind of see the grid system that we have going on here that works in some places <laughs> and not grid so system. much in other, other places. 
We're wow. we're like one of those cities where like, yeah, the grid works here, but like the New York grid will work here. But no, here we're gonna go with Boston. It doesn't make any sense. And then we're yeah. gonna bring some DC in here. And it's all gonna be a big circle. Yeah. Well, in the in the core, it's all pretty pretty much laid out in the grid for the most part. Stay. We are. Yeah, you're gonna have to run over to Guitar Center and get a new mic stand. I'll just hold it. Shout out to Guitar Center for free stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that they're new listening. Sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to sponsor the show soon. I'm just waiting on that email. <laughs> waiting on you to start playing guitar. <laughs> got one sitting around here somewhere. Yeah, you got to write a theme song. As soon oh, as I leave, yeah. you should start playing. Yeah. Well, I used to play in a band, dude. So. Really? Yeah. There's a reason it's it. no longer a band. <laughs> Which one? Yeah, exactly. There's that's the thing. There's, there's multiple. There's the thing. That's the thing. Common with bands, denominator. Dude. They 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 all break up eventually, yeah. and there's a very a wide range of reasons why they do. Sometimes it's you know drugs. Sometimes it's because your drummer wants to go play somewhere else, and or your drummer wants yeah. to play with a girl. Who knows? Yeah. So, just is what it is, man. What have you, uh, so far, Matt, with your time on the fire department, like just in public service, what would, what's some of the best lessons you've learned so far? Uh, humility. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how much you think you know, there's always something to be learned. I mean, every, every situation you encounter is a little bit different. So as soon as you start thinking you know everything and you know the way everything's supposed to go, that's when it starts going south and you got to regroup and rethink and kind of refigure how you're going to be going. And so it's uh, the constant learning and the humility of knowing that you don't know everything, but also seeing people in their biggest time of need. I love too how like there is that aspect of it, but the humor aspect is you realize just how stupid people are sometimes. <laughs> like you're like, man, I didn't think anybody could do something this dumb. Yeah. And then you get surprised. Yeah, like so, going to med school. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't help that one. <laughs> yeah. So you have three kids? Three kids. Three kids. So how do you balance being a medic in a busy spot, you know, and the sleep deprivation and all that stuff, then coming home with your kids and dealing with that stuff? And, and all still, their activities. And still being able to whenever you go back to work, you know, not just be a complete jackass on calls. Whenever uh, you do run those stupid people. It's tough. Uh, you got to kind of count to 10 a lot, uh, whether it's at home or at work. I mean, <laughs> kids are going to be kids, and I got a short fuse as it is. So what? There's a, there's a lot of apologizing <laughs> and then pulling the kid aside later and being like, hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't sleep much last night. It's not your fault, you know. Uh, but uh, my kids are extremely goal oriented, so it's it's pretty easy. My my two boys play a lot of sports, so uh, I've coached them pretty much every sport they've done, except for the youngest does gymnastics, and he's kicking ass, and that's obviously not me. 
<laughs> you can yeah. do it. The only time I flip is when I flip over a outfield wall. Yeah. <laughs> and that's only if I'm tall enough to get over it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean. Hey, just I they, yeah. We've watched him flip out a lot, too. <laughs> yeah. Especially on umpires. Keep yeah, this poor yeah. man away yeah. from Were you there yeah. that night? The, which one? The one he got <laughs> thrown <laughs> out and he made Jesus. the umpire cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was feeling that night. <laughs> you know? As I recall, it was your fault that I actually got kicked. That umpire was about to let me stay until you ran your mouth. Uh, no, it was until he was decided the other team to that... ask the other team if they wanted you gone. Well, right. Yeah. But that was an obvious answer. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say you cost us the championship, but, I mean, we had to play with eight players after you left, so – well, if you had filled the full 11 spots on the roster, you wouldn't have had to worry you about know losing what? the it's worst player. Surprising as it may be, um, rec league softball isn't high on a lot of people's priority <laughs> lists. So commitment to showing up, eh. Or maybe just team management. Yeah, I, I blame the coach when the yeah. team implodes. I, I would blame the coach, you know. but I don't want to be the coach. So the blame coach. You can still blame the coach. I know the last couple of times I've done that, it's been okay. Then you fucking take over. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's always the coach's answer because he they know nobody's going to take over the spot because nobody wants to do it. Right. I I coach too many other things. Luckily, yeah. I'm not a head coach of any of those anymore. I, I told every one of the parents like, every time with my son's game when I coach my son, if you want to do it, step up. Uh, yep. Same thing my dad said whenever he coached when my brother and I were kids. I've been real lucky. Uh, and all the parents that I've encountered have been on the same page that we've been on. So uh, I'm an assistant coach with 7U, and we don't give two fucks about wins. It's all about how the kids are doing, how they're growing, how they're progressing, and, you know, that they're having fun. So there's a lot of those 7U – Teams that are just out there trophy chasing, mm -hmm. and I mean, who knows? Really? Yeah, fucking I, seven. It's it's ridiculous, but you know it's out there, and well, yeah, and it is what it is. But well, I will say this though, I mean, at least it's not everybody gets a trophy, right? They put an emphasis yeah. on winning, right? But there's there's a growth that has to be chased as well as the wins i mean if you for instance one right. of the rules is as soon as you field the ball if you call timeout nobody can move that's not real baseball no so if you're just teaching your kids every time you field the ball and you can't get it out at first base call timeout don't even attempt to throw the ball how was that even a th maybe i'm just old but whenever i was that <laughs> age and and playing like you actually there was no calling timeout you had to field the ball you had to throw it first base all well, that and stuff. so that's still machine pitch. So see, we didn't. It used to be. Pitch. I never did machine pitch either. I did coach pitch. We had coach pitch, up. and then we no, had t-ball coach early. pitch, and then we went kid straight pitch. from t-ball to kid pitch. Uh, they, at least we do. Uh, nine years for kid coach pitch. pitch, but maybe we did. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I did coach pitch growing up. And I think coach pitch is better uh, for my experience because it teaches them. Uh, I think it's actually. Coach pitch and then machine pitch, or they're interchangeable. Because uh, I think when we were doing t-ball, there were kids of the same age doing coach pitch. So I think coach pitch and t-ball are now interchangeable. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, if you I, go to kid pitch too early, though, you don't learn any, anything because right. it's pretty much all walks. Right. Because no. not very often you have that kid who can throw strikes at that young age. Well, that's where you have to teach them and 
teaching fundamentals. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, what you're doing. But and the, that's but the only fundamental you're going to be learning is pitching throughout the game. The games last forever. No. Yeah, because they can't throw strikes. So if you don't throw strikes, you don't okay, swing the bat. I don't know what kids you played with, but. The guys, oh, the, I, the I forgot kids we're talking about Louisiana baseball, and Louisiana is the best place now, in the world. Not, not saying that, baseball, not saying that walks didn't happen, but <laughs> they played with a basketball. It's the thing of called you go to practice, you have, you practice, and you learn how to throw strikes. Yeah, and the umpires are pretty generous on the strikes. All right, so I, I, I got Generally. a question for you three assholes. You all have double digit years on the fire department now. Y'all have kids or dogs. Y'all have been coaches or will soon kids be in. Kids and dogs. <laughs> I've, I've got four dogs. I've got three. <laughs> and, three uh, of each. <laughs> but we'll probably soon be leaders in your respective rights in the fire department. We talked a little bit about the everybody gets a trophy culture or the teaching kids how to play a game or how to do something that's not how it's going to be in the real world. How have you seen that change over your time in the fire service? How have you seen things that have been adapted that may not be in the best interest of day-to-day operations? Pass. Next question, please. So when I first came on, uh, we did uh, – it was uh, second class after the merger, and if I remember correctly, we were the first class that – had some people go to the field to start uh, training with an FTO. So when we came out of the academy, those of us who were ambulance qualified uh, got our OJT cut short and we were placed on ambulances. That doesn't happen anymore. You know what I mean? My first spot was on Medic 10. I worked on Medic 10 for almost a year. There's some guys who came out and spent two-plus years on an ambulance and ended up being so well-liked that now they're in a good spot because they worked so hard on that ambulance. Now our floaters don't even get ambulance credentialed for the first six to eight months. I mean, there's no reason for them to come out of the academy and once they're done with OJT, not go work on an ambulance. That would be a great way for these squad guys who are getting their dicks kicked in every fucking day to see a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, there, there's no reason that we should still be doing these squads after it's shown time and time again that it's not fucking working. Have you, but I'll like leave a, it at that. No, well, like, even more so like... Pass. A, <laughs> Next question, please. In, like, a general overall, like, in the fire service, how we just aren't seeing as aggressive... We're not We're not teaching the aggressiveness that we used to and we're getting like we're coming up with overall safer ideas, safer equipment. Do you think there's a little bit of a skill set that's lost that just isn't replicable outside, you know, in a training aspect? What are you talking about the tendency for departments to surround and drown now? Yeah. Well, I haven't really seen that. I mean, you you got to remember that our department by and large is still really aggressive interior firefighting. Mm-hmm. The smaller departments that do that, there's reasons why. So we've got the department that's, you know, just down the street that they have rules. Part of it is staffing. You know, they just don't have enough that's a people. Big part of it. Yeah, they have, um, you have you have four people in that st- they have two stations, the one down the street from where we're at now. Yeah. They have you have two on a fire truck, 
and two on an ambulance. That's yeah. your station. They have two stations. They have eight people. Yeah. Even their EMS is picking up at this point. Like everybody's is. Yeah. So the ambulances are going to be out at the hospitals. So if both are out, well, now you're left with four people in the city. Those four people aren't going to put out a house fire yeah. if it's already rocking. Well, and then, and, and then you got to look at risk versus reward. Yeah. They also those, have the yeah, all call. That. So if they put out that all call and you get less than a quarter of your off-duty staff to come in. Yeah. I mean, how many people are you really going to be trying to fight that fire with? You yeah. know what I mean? But that's so, why we have the automatic mutual aid in the area where you're sending the closest companies. But even then, you don't know what you're getting from another department. Am I getting two? Am I getting three? Am I getting four Yeah. on a rig? Are they going to bring a pump or a truck? Do those guys know how to use the truck? Are, you know, and then there's, do they know how to, where to put the hole? Are, are they confident in that? Have they trained on that? Have they done it before? What about the guys on our truck? Are they new? Are they, are they, are they, is it a new driver and a new firefighter sitting on the outside? I mean, th- those are all things that. Yeah, but from a from a department and city standpoint, it's much safer and more cost effective because you have less lost time injuries and things like that if you just stay outside. You're not getting guys burn up. People aren't falling through holes. People aren't falling off roofs. So. I mean, you're talking about work comp goes way down then. If you're having, let's say, one injury a year as opposed to 200 injuries a year. So I'll ask you this. What's the concern maybe for mental health? Because at some point that riding that train only lasts so long until at some point you're going to find yourself in an incident where aggressive tactical experience is necessary. And you will fail without it which could result in a severe injury or a loss of life. Mm-hmm. How do you manage the mental health aspect of that? Jeremy, you're going you're gonna to be a future captain. How do you manage that not only for yourself as a company leader if you lose somebody, but if as the rest of your crew if they lose someone as well? Well, that's why you can't get complacent, and you have to train. And I know that's like a, you know, nobody likes to go train. You know, well, some people do. But, you know, it's not something that, Everybody shows up to work every day and they're like, all right, we're going to go train for eight hours, you know, on this one thing. And then, you know, it's a proficiency thing because you can't spend all of your time training on one aspect. You know, if you're on a truck company, you can't spend all your time with the outside guys learning how to cut a hole and never talk about interior, you know, and vice versa. And if you're on a pumper, yes, you're going to spend time, you know, stretching that hand line learning how to use it, learning how to use the two and a half, all that stuff to make it easier on you. Would you also have to spend time teaching your firefighters and your, especially the newer ones of how to use the pump, where to spot the rig. So you leave the truck room or the rescue or whoever's coming. I mean, there's a lot of aspects and it needs to be gone over. If you don't keep up on your proficiency of all of it though, then you're setting your crew up for failure for something like what you're talking about. Matt, you've been on the scene, if you want to talk about it a little bit, one of the most, wor- the worst night, you know, in your department's history. And you've seen a scene go from, you know, planning to just chaos in an instant. What, what What's that like? Uh, it's kind of hard to put in words. Uh, went from being completely normal to being absolute chaos in seconds uh i i 
I mean, other than horrific, I don't know that I could put a feeling on it. Uh, but in the moment, you don't think about it. I mean, in the moment, you just look around, find an objective, and go and do your best to try to help. So, yeah, I don't think it's until a couple days afterwards that you really think about it and kind of take in the magnitude of what happened. You know, three of us here are medics, and then there's Jeremy. But we've all had those, obviously the call you were on was horrific, but like we've all had those just terrible calls where it doesn't yeah. I, sink in. I've never in run until... a bad call, Chris, ever, because <laughs> I'm not a medic. It doesn't affect me the way that it does you three. Yeah, th- thank you for the yeah. you got to do something on a call yeah. to, to have it affect you. But no, that, you know, you step out, of you, you take your patient into the trauma bay or the med recess bay, wherever it may be, and then you just walk out and you see your ambulance. See how just trash it is and you just kind of get hit with that that just happened what what's that like for you uh it's pretty overwhelming uh what i've found in the last handful of years uh is the more you talk about it the better it feels so uh generally i work with pretty close friends or at least good friends so you run a bad call and instead of just keeping it to yourself you talk about it with them while you clean up the back of the ambulance or when you get back you talk with the other guys who are on the call and just kind of have a after action review if you want to call it that just on your own with the guys who are there just hey how'd this go what could we have done better is there anything that we could have done better hey what did you see that i may have missed you know that kind of thing but a lot of times it's just the realization that even if you do everything perfect, you're still going to lose them. I mean, you can't save everybody. I think that's one of the hardest things for an especially newer guys yeah. to really wrap your head around that. And and I know it was for me is, you know, oh, I'm going to go in there and we're going to save everybody. Well, that's yeah. not reality. I mean, even baseball, if you would have got – Baseball averages. Yeah. 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 So, for me, and obviously 99% of our industry is the same way, but – Obviously, kids are really hard to run. For me, having a young kid running kids who were in the same age range has always been really hard not to picture my child being that child that's injured. And it's taken quite a lot of time for me to not process it that way. I I can remember a specific call we had uh, probably two, two and a half years ago where a five-year-old was drugged about a block and a half by a car and same age as my kid, little boy, just like my little boy. And the entire time we were working him, all I could see was my little kid. And it just tore me apart and ended up uh, going through our department resources and finding some people to talk to, and it, it helped a lot. I'm not sure... Without the crew that I had, because I was trying to just separate myself and put myself alone, and they wouldn't leave me alone until I talked to them about it. And that's what really broke where I was in my head was them forcing me to talk about it. And that's when I realized how helpful, you know, having somebody that you can have a dialogue with and not feel any pressure or feel like you're being judged for having those feelings or conversation. 
That's huge. What was that transition for you like when you went back home, you know, to not snap at your kids when they were probably bringing brats? How do you not say, hey, you know, I just ran this. Stop being an idiot. I'd, there's a lot of compartmentalization. Uh, I mean, when I walk out of the firehouse, a lot of times I'm able to just turn it off. And when I get home, I don't think about, you know, that nasty call or, you know, the dead body that we just ran. I mean, we had a, we had a bad one last night. I mean, until just now, I hadn't thought about it until, since we left the scene. So there's a lot of the compartmentalization where you just get so used to seeing the carnage that when you walk away, you don't even really think about it until maybe the next time you see something similar and then you're, it kind of triggers that response again. And it goes back to, like I said earlier, if you have those people that you can talk to without judgment or fear, then you can talk to them about it, get through it. You know, Hey, what could we have done different? What, what should we have done better? You know, anything like that. That, that that's huge. That's that's the only way I personally can get through the bad calls. And then when I get home, I don't take it out on the kids. I'm when I'm tired, the kids get it taken out on them. But you know, apologize and move on. And I'm only human, you know. <laughs> so got a short fuse getting, like a lot of guys. They're getting older too, so that helps. Yeah. They will take care of themselves, feed themselves. Yeah, I mean, 17 and 14 pretty much on their own. It's just the seven-year-old yep. that I still have to kind of quote-unquote take care of. But, yeah, they're good kids. Bowl of cereal, glass of milk. There you go. Yep. <laughs> and even the seven-year-old is pretty, pretty well self-sufficient. Yeah. Good deal. So, <clears throat> oh, what was I going to say? No idea. We'll probably uh, complain about something. Maybe. I don't know. Don't be nice to him. So, Matt, you've well, also you've also went through a pretty ca- catastrophic injury on the job as well. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, pre-routine fire. Uh, I was the... Number three on three guy on the line, so captain and other firefighter were maybe a room in front of me in the active fire room. I was in the living room. They were pretty much in the kitchen. I was in the living room pulling hose for them, uh, standing there kind of bullshitting with the truck guys. It was pretty well pretty well contained and just kind of hitting hot spots and pulled the ceiling. And next thing I know, I'm kind of waking up and my – Helmets spun in a bunch of circles, and I always wear my chin strap, so it was just hanging off of my respirator. And, uh, yeah, I, it was on my daughter's birthday, which was kind of funny, but uh, that was an A shift. I worked that night, uh, B shift, and then my C shift. And then coming off, for whatever reason, coming off of uh, the next A shift morning, I started getting real bad double vision, started getting real bad headaches, and uh, went in and was diagnosed with a concussion. I uh, think I got hit with the toilet that fell through the uh, floor uh, when the truck guys were doing overhaul, but really not sure what I was hit with. So could we call you a shithead? Yeah, it was a, it was a real <laughs> shitty situation. <laughs> 
but ended up having to do uh, ther- physical therapy for almost three months. Uh, went in about every week, week and a half for checkups, and didn't have a brain bleed, uh, which obviously good. But I mean, the physical therapy they put you through is fucking crazy. Strap a laser to your head, and you got to do the ABCs forwards and backwards on the uh, ceiling to try to uh, replicate, you know, the head movement and try to keep you from getting dizzy. Uh, I spent my first, like, five days after uh, getting diagnosed in a dark room, wasn't allowed to be on a phone, couldn't watch TV, couldn't listen to music. It was, I slept for damn near four days, five days straight. Holy crap. And then uh, they kind of slowly started bringing me back. Uh, they wasn't allowed to drive for more than like 20 or 30 minutes. I uh, wasn't allowed to ride the motorcycle for more than, I think it was 10 miles at a time for like two months. <laughs> Can you get out your neighborhood? <laughs> well, right. That's, and my fucking wife would track me on the 360 app, and I would legitimately, while I'm riding, get a text message you're Pull at seven over. and a half miles. Are you on your way home? <laughs> like, God damn. Or you're only allowed 30 minutes on the motorcycle. You're at 25. How far away are you? <laughs> I'd turn my phone off. <laughs> All right, then you get hell when you get back. Not worth it. <laughs> oh, I don't remember doing it. I got a concussion, remember? Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of crazy that your symptoms didn't show up until three days afterwards. Right. Just shows you how weird it's, the brain is. It is. Yeah. It's real weird. And I... Uh, I started noticing uh, speech difficulty uh, the second day I was working. Like, I'd be talking, and I I knew what I wanted to say, and I just it couldn't wouldn't come say, out. Yeah, I'd, yeah. Which, those who know me, I stutter, and I'd, I have trouble finding words quite a bit. So I was just thinking I was tired. And, yeah, it just progressively got worse. And, yeah, ended up going in and... Uh, they no longer do concussions by whether or not you were knocked out or not. Right. Uh, they don't grade them anymore because they mm-hmm. found that uh, some people can get knocked out from a concussion and seven days later, no symptoms, no nothing. Uh, some people don't get knocked out and it takes them six months to recover. So mm-hmm. it's just... It's really hit or miss. And, uh, had to take a lot of fish oil supplements and uh, different pills and whatnot to try to help brain chemistry. But, uh, yeah, they'd give me a questionnaire every time I went in. It was like, uh, are you feeling suicidal? Do you want to hurt yourself or somebody else? And it was this long list of psychiatric questions. Mm-hmm. And then... Like, are you having trouble driving? Are you having trouble walking? Do you get dizzy doing this? You know, those kind of questions. And Shit, that's my everyday. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and that's the thing with TBI is it affects so much. It affects everything. Because yeah. it's, I mean, your brain is your operating system. Yep. You know, it's the hardware and software. And whenever you get it knocked out of alignment, and it, like you said, everybody's different. Some people, yeah, a little bump and they're ruined and then other people can just yeah. take it to the head all day and, yeah. <laughs> and hey. I, had, I had had uh, <laughs> yeah. i had previous concussions back in high Was school this from when, hockey 
No, I, I only played hockey for a few years and not very well. <laughs> and and never fast enough to you, you, <laughs> get a I was going to say, you look like you'd be nimble enough on the, uh, on the yeah. old skates there. Yeah, yeah. Blue line to blue line. Yeah. As soon as I get to one blue line, everybody's going the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Go back the other way, back and forth. Uh, but, yeah, so it was pretty miserable. Uh, the worst part of it was – I was having these weird, they weren't seizures because I remembered the whole thing going on, but it'd be like walking through my house and then I'd just drop to my face and I couldn't move and I'd be trembling and I just, it was like having a seizure, but like I said, I'd... You just remember the whole thing. I remember the whole thing. I couldn't talk. I couldn't, you know, it was fucking crazy. It happened probably four or five times and then... So no swelling on your brain or anything? Just no, no swelling. Side no effects bleeding, of... just huh. yeah. They uh, when you have such a small brain, right? Is it right? Is it, small yeah. brain cramped full of useless knowledge. Yeah, can't really have any complications from swelling if it's not hitting anything. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you don't have to take uh, that, Lanio. You can fire uh, back at him. <laughs> I got nothing to say. He's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> He's like a big old teddy bear. I got him trained. Just in looks. <laughs> well, well, so how long did that before you were back to work after that? Uh, and do you have anything lingering? Uh, I've got a little bit of mood issues lingering. Uh, sure, that's not the ambulance. Well, worse, <laughs> worse, <laughs> a lot worse. Uh, yeah, so I had to go on Lexapro because uh, I was getting really bad mood swings when I first got diagnosed. So one of the things they do is they, like, track your eyes. Mm-hmm. And if you have a concussion, just like after you've had a lot of alcohol, your eyes will bounce. Okay. Well, I don't drink very often. I drink, like, twice a year. So uh, that's what they'd ask me every time. I go to therapy, they track, they're like, all right, you drink today? I'm like, no, I don't drink. We've been over this. And they're like, oh, your, your eyes are still bouncing. So I don't know how football players or anything like that do, but they wouldn't clear me to do any activity until uh, they could track my eyes without my eyes just bouncing everywhere. Uh, so one of, that's one of the things they would do is uh, with that laser strapped to the forehead is they had uh, almost like a racetrack. Uh, drawn on the wall and I would have to trace the lines up and down and in and out uh, back and forth just over and over and over and then had like a string to move back and forth and it wasn't until I could focus at a normal range uh, without getting dizzy and do all those different exercises Uh, had to go like heel to toe Tossing a ball up without looking at it back and forth. I mean, it felt like I was training for you know, circus <laughs> tricks as a seal or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I want to say, right at a month and a half, two months before I was able to come back. Dang. And so I think it was about two weeks before they were going to let me come back. They told me to start coming into the station, get used to the sounds. And every time the bells would ring for like the first. Uh, three shifts that I I came back before I was released full duty. Mm-hmm. Bells were just killing me, like instant migraines. Oh, it was miserable. I I couldn't do more than like uh, two or three calls before I'd have to 
you know, take off and then gradually got better and it was it was miserable. Yeah. What I did mean, you do to kind of maintain your state of mind or your mental health being out of the fire station that long, being out of a routine that long? I'd, I was doing physical therapy three times a day, and then uh, uh, once I was released back to drive, my son was in uh, full baseball swing, so uh, I was basically just a taxi for the kids. I didn't didn't really think about anything other than what I had going on that day. And, uh, yeah, once I started getting closer to coming back, started going over protocols and whatnot and trying to get back in the swing of things. But, yeah, before I got injured, I was working a ton of overtime. And I've worked hardly any overtime since I came back. Worked maybe once a month. I just uh, – my wife went back to work when I got injured. Uh, so between her job and, uh, our job don't really have the time to work overtime. And that's, that's been probably the best thing for me. Cause I don't feel as overworked. I mean, when I, when I get detailed to an ambulance, it's not, you know, dreading going over. It's <laughs> all right. Take it, help out, go back to my spot next day. You know, it's, it's a lot easier when you're not being forced to go to an ambulance, knowing that you're going to an ambulance the next day to work overtime and what you're only doing to yourself, you know, but it, it stacks up on you. Yeah. Well, it's exhaustion basically. It is. And it's a cumulative effect, just like the whole TBI and the mental health stress and all that stuff. It's just, it, it's all a contributing factor. And eventually Absolutely. you start, you know, not being so nice. Yeah. Which is bad for me. Yeah. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> I can yeah. only get told to fuck off by a Gandy so many times before. <laughs> the fifth Gandy in a row gets the problem with the previous four. <laughs> Be nice. Be professional. Yeah. It's really not that hard. Says the guy who spoken works on a like truck. a true EMT on a truck. <laughs> yes, he's sir. nice to both of the patients he sees a week. <laughs> you mean month? <laughs> hey, man. What's an EMS call? Don't hate, don't hate the player. Hate Why the are player. the bells ringing and it says truck? What's that mean? <laughs> oh, dude, I've perfected the truck roll. <laughs> it's awesome, <laughs> and it didn't take me long either. Yeah, that's it what never does. That's yeah. what I miss about a big house like that. What like the pure most simple joy isn't that like one hour when you're back and you're actually getting some sleep and the bells go off and you just lay there and you're like god take me now and then it's like truck, truck. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just and you like, hear a uh, cheer go up yeah, <laughs> yeah. but then it's like you know truck on a lift assist and then you're like <laughs> and then like 20 minutes later it's like meet the truck on the scene <laughs> you're like, oh, these motherfuckers <laughs> i still like hearing battalion chief <laughs> There was one day where I was, I was on the ambulance, the front half, the pump the back, and I think I ran four calls total that day. The chief ran like 20, and it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Suck it. Dude, that's- I was laying on the couch. I was like, oh, I got to roll over, but I can't move. My back had locked up <laughs> for laying too long. Bed sores. Yeah. Hey, chief, Every you want that I- detail of the ambulance today? <laughs> yeah. 
every time I work at your station, that's how it is, though. This, <coughs> that chief runs way more than the pumper and the ambulance do, it seems like. Yeah, those, those aren't typical days. Well, well <laughs> just been my experience there. I don't know, though. Your old station might be that way. <laughs> that PC runs like crazy. I don't know. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, any other? Got anything else, James? Um. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Nelson's just gonna plead the fifth all day. So, <laughs> why is she here? <laughs> Pass. <laughs> I asked that question to myself because Lanio, you could because you, because you couldn't do this full time, so we had to settle with him. Yeah. yeah. I'm option Z. <laughs> well, I was never asked, so you're obviously not Z. No, he's like double Z. You know how like in well, stadiums when you get like to Z and then they start the double letters? So, That's him. Well, actually, the only reason Nelson was doing the podcast is because we were they doing need, it at his house. We needed my house. We needed his house, but now we don't need his house anymore. So <laughs> See ya. God, we should have pink slips. Not a bad thing. Yeah. We should have kicked Jeremy off while we had the chance to house. <laughs> now we're stuck. Yeah, now you're stuck in his house. Yeah. Yep. Oh well, at least the ceiling looks good. Hey man, <laughs> I just hey, so desperately I... want to tilt the camera. <laughs> yeah, I so desperately want you to. <laughs> the back wall does look good though. I like it. Yeah, I do too. Tell Rachel she did a great job. I will. I'll I'll send a send a thank you card to her or something. So <laughs> anyway. Well, actually, Zach Poe came over and helped me do a bunch of drywall and putting in the door and all that stuff. Thank you, Zach. Chris Anderson came over and ran some electrical for me, so showed me how to do it. We need more uh, that hard. See if you can get a guy that does sound equipment. Let's get him on the show. See see if you can get a guy that does ceilings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a work in progress. All right, it's baby steps. Yeah. Hey, you're getting there. You do ceilings, right? You get stuff down off the second story. Right. <laughs> 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 Only if he can catch it with his head. Yeah. I'd say you walked right into it, but you more like walked right under it. <laughs> uh, being this height, I don't really walk right into anything. See, that's the problem. If you were taller, the inertia. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't so have hit you. <laughs> I don't know. I took a whole sheet of plywood to my head at a fire. Mm-hmm. It was not pleasant. So. That sucks. Done that. Yeah. I've taken peanut butter to the fire before. That was not pleasant. Either. It's because you're trying to eat it. I was not trying to eat the goddamn You were trying That's to eat the was. peanut butter. We've been over this. I was like, how did you, did get you have your dog with you? <laughs> He's getting ready to go home. Yeah. Couldn't feel why. I couldn't understand why I got my face burned. Couldn't I'm feel like, what? Why my face yeah. didn't hurt so bad. It's because it was covered in peanut butter. And then once I actually got <laughs> the peanut butter off, I was like, oh, now my face hurts. He's, yeah. he's pulling his mask, licking the peanut butter. And he's going, <laughs> That's probably how he got burned. <laughs> probably. Yeah. And he's trying to make you feel bad about it. Yeah. It's really on him. You that was the for, extra for later. You got to yeah. wait for after the fire to lick your face. Yeah. <laughs> once again, Jerry was in charge and the whole day went to shit. <laughs> It's not Jeremy's fault you couldn't make it through the kitchen door to start. And you had to get to go sideways and then rub the wall. Yep. And then run his truck out of gas. And then run your truck out of gas. God, that was a shit day. Yeah. That that day went from being awesome to 
shitty. It, it kind of sounds like every bad thing that happened that day was one person's fault. Yeah, pretty much. Don't you dare look over here. <laughs> don't you? Don't you? Don't you? But you know, I got to tow his Ford F three fifty with a Chevy fifteen hundred, so that was awesome. So you ran out of gas too in the parking lot? No, (laughs) I can just put it in tow mode and right over to the gas station we went. Thank God it was all downhill. (laughs) (laughs) You drive a Chevy too? Yeah, I do. I know what it's capable of. (laughs) Hey, I drive a Chevy now. Hey, I get older and wiser. Yeah. What'd you say? Learned his lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was about the ninth time that truck broke, and I said, fuck you, you're getting sold. Yeah. (laughs) Eventually, people will learn their lesson with Fords. So. Yeah, I don't care if they try to sponsor us. They can suck it. My 2013's (laughs) running pretty well. Yeah. I had that 04 F-150. Right at 104,000. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Because you need camp phasers and you didn't do it. Yeah. I wouldn't get a. I can tell you that just by the fact you said 04. Yeah. And then it it had broke. no 5 4 Triton <laughs> in it. And, and you needed probably spark plugs that would have cost you $800. Yeah. Because the tool is this long. Yeah. To get them out. It's yeah. ridiculous. And they break them anyway. Yeah. You can't get it out without breaking it. Yeah. That's because Ford's torque specs are stupid. That's because engineers are dumb. Yeah. Burn. It's the actual, it's the angle of the spark plug of how they seated it in the engine that's what was causing the problem like, and they redesigned that engine you got headers on a 6.0 like literally every other diesel engine it's like 200 210 7.3 was like 240 <laughs> two, 270 for a 6.0 because ford said fuck you yeah <laughs> <laughs> they don't want you doing your, your own work anymore yeah no that's, yeah, standard that's torque wrench goes up to 250 and then ford bought stock and everyone that goes above 250 <laughs> <laughs> Kind of sounds like a uh, senator thing. Yeah, write your congressman. Buy, buy buy some stock in this, and all of a sudden, oh hey, we got to do this now. <laughs> I mean, I know they don't do that. Right, it's illegal. Right, yeah, never. Or their yeah. their spouse does it, and they make a billion dollars. I mean, it's inside yeah. training's illegal. We all know that. Yeah, just they like I ne- just like yeah. I never talk a fall out of going to the hospital and call the lipsist. <laughs> that would be dangerous, James. Yep, that's, yep, you can't do that, man. And we don't do it. Yep. I don't do it. I don't do it. I don't do it. <laughs> he just made me do editing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't do it. You can edit. Not very well. Huh. Never mind. Yeah, we, put, yeah. we usually just put a green screen over where Nelson's sitting. Yeah. <laughs> you get more use out of it. Actually, I think we're going to do blue screen. So wow. I watched. So the other day, I watched the movies that made us on Netflix. I mm-hmm. watched the Forrest Gump thing. And they were talking about how they got rid of Lieutenant Dan's legs. They yeah, did, that's pretty neat. They did blue screen where he had basically was just wearing blue socks. And so they the guys from whoever the computer graphics people were, they would just go in and all the blue just suck it right out of the picture so his legs are gone. Hmm. Yeah. And then they modified like the boat where, you know, he swings his legs through and it looks like he goes, you know, over the side because he's got no legs. Well, they actually took that section of the railing out of the boat and then put it back in with a computer. Not bad for 1994. Yeah. yeah. They invented like a bunch of technology for that and for uh, Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. I watched that one too. That was, was those two I watched. Yeah. I got to watch the rest of them. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What did they do in Jurassic Park? 
they basically created dinosaurs. computer dinosaurs. animation. Right. Yeah. They brought dinosaurs, dinosaurs back to life. Those yeah. weren't real. They were. They took <laughs> oh. the DNA from the mosquitoes. Yeah. 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 they never been done before. Yeah, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. I thought you were going to yeah. try and say they edited them in. I'm like, you can go fuck yourself. Those are real dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> Can't have them Do running Do you believe Jurassic Park was a documentary? Yeah. Do you think it wasn't? Well, yeah, Samuel Jackson was there. Yeah. Right. So he's, he's in everything, including documentaries. Right. And yeah. technically, it's a docu-series. Okay. So I guess we'll throw backdraft like into that documentary. No. No, no. Mm. We're talking about real. What things. is it? Was it? We're a, talking about uh, things that are real. Okay. Yeah. Dramatic. <laughs> what was that called when they dr- dramatic reenactment? Dramatic reenactment. <laughs> That's what that is. <laughs> I mean, those events happened. Right. Just being retold. <laughs> like the Christopher Columbus version. Like, oh, the natives loved us. <laughs> Pass. It's for your history nerds. Pass. We're not going to talk about that. Pass. What right. you want to talk about? Looks Marianne. like we're passing into the segment of the end of the show. Then, if we're just going to keep passing, <laughs> pass. I Check. played the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this this would actually make a pretty decent card table. It so, would. Maybe poker night. Ooh, sounds like fun. I have to move it outside. Yeah, I don't have service down here. You don't? I can't TikTok down here. I got service. You, don't, you should. Oh, well, I do up here, but if I hold it down here, I don't. I need you to put some Wi-Fi down here. Thank you. There is Wi-Fi is right in this room. Oh, then I need the password. I wouldn't get a password. Yeah, you're not getting the password <laughs> to my Wi-Fi. Why? Because I don't trust you. To do what? I don't know. You have, whatever. You have the, you have the NSA. Whatever the you and FBI and every yeah. other three-letter agency yeah. the government has is knocking on yeah. Jeremy's door. Being on the dark web. <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. Chris. Pass. James. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, you know, thanks for watching. And if you are having a problem, reach out. There are resources out there. And if you see or know someone that's having a problem, talk to them get them hooked up with some resources. Thanks everybody. Take care of yourself.